Hello, and welcome to Chad's ADHD 365 podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Takeda, better health, brighter future. Hi, I'm your host, Susan Booning, and I'm here today with Dr. Ari Tuckman to talk about breaking the habit of dependence. Ari, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm a psychologist. I'm in private practice. I see a bunch of teenagers, young adults, adults, couples, families, and I've also been involved with Chad for uh, many moons at this point. So, and I'm currently the Chad Conference co-chair. So we're here to talk about breaking the habit of dependence, encouraging independence. And I have a series of questions that are compiled from questions that have come in to our health information specialists and others from young people of transition age, around 14 to 24. And this is the kinds of questions that we've been asked. I'm in middle school. What are some things that I can start doing now that will help me be less dependent on my parents? I think this is a really good question. I think, you know, let's start with the bigger context. In general, as we move from, well, birth into, you know, full-fledged adulthood. So I don't know what that is, 30 or something. You know, it's all about gaining independence. It's about having more and more control over our destiny. You know, like I want to be the one who makes decisions about what happens to me. And that's totally normal. It's developmentally appropriate. It is the job of childhood, adolescence, and young adulthood to figure out how to run your own life. And by the way, how to figure out what kind of life it is that you want to run. Obviously, when we're kids and teens, and even young adults, right, we live with our parents. And the reason why is because, you know, most kids and teens don't really survive in the wild if you were to leave them on their own, right? Even though your parents are kind of annoying and they have these rules that don't make sense, like probably mostly it's helpful to live with your parents and there are, you know, good skills being learned while you're there. And all of that hopefully is oriented towards a gradual shift where your parents give up more and more and you take on more and more. And when it's working well, what you're taking on is like right at the edge of your ability, right? It's a little bit of a stretch, takes a bit of effort. You don't always get it right. Hopefully nobody loses any fingers or toes in the process, but like, you know, mostly we're kind of getting there. If you're in middle school, then, you know, I guess the the advice that I would give is to figure out like, what are the stretches here? Like, what are the things that mom and dad are helping me with more than I would like them to? Because, you know, again, I want to run my own show. Where are the places that mom and dad are helping more? And where can I begin to take some of that over? Maybe not 100%. It doesn't have to be black or white. But, you know, like, let's pick the obvious thing of doing homework. How much are mom and dad involved in knowing what your homework is, in making sure that it gets done, in checking that it actually got done? So maybe those are some places where you can begin to take a bit more initiative to kind of get to it before they get to it, to get to it before they feel the need to say anything, and to just kind of be the one who sort of jumps first. Or if the thing is about cleaning your room, or if the thing is about I don't know, getting ready for school and getting to the bus on time or whatever, is showing your parents that you can do it and to make sure as much as you can that your words and actions line up, right? You do what you say and you say what you're going to do. 
We get a lot of questions like this one. I plan to go to community college in the fall. I had accommodations in high school, but my parents usually contacted the school to get them for me. What do I need to do to get accommodations in college? Yes, indeed. This is a very good question because the rules are different K to 12 than they are after high school. It is definitely a different ball game. But first of all, I think it's really smart that you're going to community college first. First of all, community college is way cheaper than, you know, standard four-year colleges. But also it's a great sort of transition, I think, between high school living at home and perhaps four-year college living away. So community college from home is a great middle step. And it's easier to make that half jump and do it well than it is to make the full jump and then struggle for a semester or two and perhaps have to come back and then wind up in community college anyways. Congrats to you for being smart enough to, to do it in the better order, which is community college first and then perhaps four-year college. But you know, the advice that I would give here is maybe talk to your parents about it. Find out like, hey, what, what do you think I should do? What do you, what's your advice or recommendations? Or perhaps you look at the you know, school's website first to kind of get a sense of the lay of the land. So it's totally fine to ask advice. It's totally fine to ask for help. But really kind of make a point of taking that initiative of, you know what? I will send the email. I will make the phone call. Don't feel like you got to get it all right. And don't feel like you need to know what you're doing right off the bat. Because let's be honest, you probably won't. You've never done it before. Why would you know how to do it all right? But that's okay. Like you will figure it out as you go along. So the key is to be willing to take the initiative, be willing to, to figure it out and to make some mistakes along the way. But, the, but most importantly, that you keep moving forward with it. You know, so when you don't know how to fill out a form, which is probably to be expected, that you start asking around. You ask your, your parents, you call the school, you ask your teacher now if you're still in school, whatever, but that you do those things that move things forward and that you're kind of learning from the process. And, you know, I'll sometimes tell parents or high school students that, you know, I think the process of getting into college in the process of getting sort of situated with college, meaning getting registered, figuring out housing, figuring out you know accommodations and supports and things like that, they can be a pretty good dress rehearsal for how college is going to go. And if you find the process of getting accommodations too overwhelming, if you just don't feel like your heart's in it, like you're just not really motivated enough to figure it out, I don't know, it might mean that this semester right now I don't know, maybe this isn't the time. And that is totally fine. You know, go and work for a year, figure some things out when somebody else is paying you, rather than figure it out when you're paying somebody else. Take a pass on the semester and then come back around in a few months and see if you're in a better position then. Here's another question. I plan to move to another state after I graduate from high school. What things do I need to do to prepare? And how do I find a doctor to continue my ADHD treatment? Right. Well, so first of all, I'm glad that you added that specific part in there, right? Finding a doctor, right? That that's not the last thing that happens, but that's a thought that you're having right off the bat. I think it's also important to remember the fact that it may take you some time to find someone and to get in with someone. 
you know, some, some doctors, it's going to take you three months or more to get in as a new patient. So don't wait until you've got like two pills left before you start calling around to try to find a new doctor. You know, definitely put in that research, how, however it is that you do it. There's all sorts of online ratings and reviews where you find some reputable system and, you know, you do a little bit of research on the, you know, various providers online. Maybe you call the office and say, you know, I take this particular medication for ADHD or whatever it is that you have going on. Does doctor so-and-so, you know, prescribe? Because not all doctors, not all family practice doctors, internists, general practitioners will prescribe ADHD medication. Some of them don't feel comfortable, don't feel like they know enough. Don't make an appointment with someone who won't treat the things that you need them to treat. So you want to do your research up front. At this point in time, a lot of this can be done online and a lot of it can be done research remotely. But otherwise, I think it depends on whether you're looking at work, whether you're looking at school, but you know, to really sort of invest the time and remind yourself that everything takes longer than you think it's going to. Everything should probably be done earlier than you think it should be, right? Like don't go by your gut because your gut's probably going to steer you wrong in this case, right? If you feel like, oh, I got plenty of time to figure it out, probably you have a bit less. So get a few things nailed down early, and then you can, you know, coast into the big move and not fret over the big move. Here's another frequent question. My parents usually give me my medicine. I'd like to handle that myself, but I am afraid that I won't remember to take it. What strategies can I use? Okay, good. I'm glad that you're looking to take this over. I think that's awesome. The way that I would sort of approach this is talk to your folks about it and say, you know what, I want to I want to be the one running the show on this. I want to take this over. So that doesn't mean that they just chuck to the pill bottle and walk away, right? Hopefully it's not quite so all or nothing. Um, you know, maybe you set it up where you say, okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to take it, but you know, you can ask me, I'll take it before eight. So when we, you know, when it gets around eight or whatever, or before I walk out the door, you can ask me to make sure that I did. Um, so they're more the checking in rather than the making sure. I would strongly recommend, especially if you're trying to get into the habit, get yourself one of those little weekly pill cases, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? So that way, if there's any doubt, you can look and see if anybody's home, so to speak. And, you know, that that's your check. But also maybe mom and dad can just, you know, give a quick look at the pill thing to make sure that, you know, whether you've taken it or not, that way they don't need to pester you with questions. But the big, big advice is attach this new habit to an existing habit. Put it next to your toothbrush, assuming you brush your teeth every morning. Or put it next to the coffee maker if you, you know, grab a cup of coffee before you go. Or put it where you sit to eat breakfast or some other thing. Do not do out of sight, out of mind, right? Don't stick it in a drawer because, you know, someone doesn't like things out on the counter because you're basically setting yourself up to forget. So make it really, really easy. Maybe you set an alarm on your phone as a reminder, at least for the first week or two. And maybe perhaps you stash an extra pill or two in your backpack or whatever, depending upon, I don't know, like, you know, probably wandering around with pills at school is a bad idea. I don't know how old you are, but, you know, so you may not actually want to do that. But, you know, if you can do it, then having some backups is really helpful in case, lo and behold, it turns out that you forgot. 
Okay, this is a big one. I'm not sure what I want to do after high school. What should I do? That is not uncommon. You might feel like everybody else knows what they want to do. First of all, that's not actually true. Lots of people don't know what they want to do. Also, let's remember lots of people who think they know what they want to do in a year or two, or frankly, three weeks into their first class, they're like, oh, actually, this is not what I thought it was. It is totally okay to not know what you want to do. So the advice that I give in these situations is expose yourself to as much as possible, right? Like, Talk to your parents, friends about what they do for work and find out like, oh, wait, you're a teacher. What's that like? You're a lawyer. What's that like? You're a chemical engineer. What's that like? What do you actually do all day? How did you get there? What do you think? Do you like it? What's the most annoying part? What's the best part? What's cool? What's not? Just do your research, right? Because part of the problem is when we're younger, we, we just don't have as much experience or exposure to all the possibilities that are out there really ask around like family friends parents friends or friends parents do do some research online like this seems kind of interesting i wonder what the deal is with that talk to your high school guidance counselor there's certainly you know job counselors out there that you can you know meet with and maybe do some interest evaluations to figure out what it is that might be of interest if you go to college, they make you take kind of a range of classes anyway, right? All your gen eds, you're, you know, you got to take an English and you got to take a science and some math and some history and whatever, you know, you get a range of classes or just go to community college and grab a random class or two to see if it's interesting to you. And it's really about just exposing yourself to enough new information to begin to get a sense of what you're gravitating towards and what you're gravitating away from. And just kind of trust in the process that you will figure it out. I'm going to throw in a risky corollary to that. What if I'm graduating from college and I still don't know what I want to do? Right. Yeah. And by the way, not an uncommon thing. And I certainly have lots of friends who graduated as one thing and have become something else. So, you know, again, like this is not a tattoo. You don't have to know it forever. You know, depending on what your major was, depending on perhaps what might be of interest, it might be a little bit harder to get into something. You know, so let's say, I don't know, you want to do something with science and research, but you don't have any science or lab classes, you know, that might be a little bit harder. So you might have to go back and take some classes. But, you know, otherwise, I think kind of the same stuff applies, right? Ask around, do your research. And maybe do what you can to kind of get in the fr- in the door with something, or maybe find some people and ask if you can shadow them, you know, spend a day or two just sort of walking with them through their day or part of their day to see what that's like, maybe see if you can get an internship. Often they're unpaid, which to some extent, I think is a little bit of a ripoff, you know, but at the same time, if it's a great learning experience, you are getting something from it. So I think there's some value there. But I don't know, seeing what your options are and again, kind of having faith in the process. But I think having faith in the process works much better when you're working an active process. So sitting at home, scrolling social media is not working an active process, right? You're not actively seeking out new information. You're not actively putting yourself into new opportunities or looking for new opportunities. So, you know, really put in the effort and and see where it brings you. 
So what basic skills do I need for living on my own? Wow, that's a big question. I think it depends on what kind of living on your own we're talking about. Is it truly on your own, right? One person living in an apartment or a you know dorm or something, or are you going to have a bunch of roommates, you know, or maybe you're with a romantic partner or something? You know, the rules are a little bit different, I think, if you're totally on your own versus living with other people. But you know, I think it it starts with some of the basics of being able to manage your time well. So, like, can you get into bed on time and out of bed on time? Can you manage the stuff, the physical stuff? So things like we have food to eat, we have clean enough dishes to put the food onto, clean enough clothes. Nobody died of dirty laundry, but at a certain point, you know, the social, you know, I don't know, pressure begins to kick in, I suppose. So, you know, are you able to manage your time? Are you able to manage your stuff in order to be able to not just pull it off, but hopefully enjoy it, be ready for it and to feel like it's a good experience. And, you know, ideally, this is a thing that begins before you leave home, that it's not like, again, all or I keep coming back to this idea of not all or nothing, right? Not big, big jumps, but like gradual ones. So hopefully, before you move away, move out of your parents' house, you've been working on getting yourself into and out of bed on time, that it's not all on mom and dad to harass you to do it. You've been working on doing your laundry. You've been working on, I'm not sure if you would have any bills at that point, but you know, maybe, I don't know, for like Netflix or some like gaming system or something to you know, paying some things on a monthly basis or sending reminders to take out the trash on Tuesdays or you know, doing some of the things, practicing them while you still live at home before you make that big jump into living in an apartment. You know, for folks who go away to college, living in a dorm, you know, it's a little bit of a, it's not exactly living with mom and dad, but it's definitely also not living in an apartment on your own, right? It's sort of something in between. And I think that's not an accident, right? So we're making more gradual jumps, not big, big jumps. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to teens and young adults who are looking to break the habit of depending on their parents? I think the big picture here is it's really nice to be able to run your own show. Like I totally get it. I'm self-employed. I work for myself. I love being able to work for myself. So I totally understand the fact that you want your parents out of your business. The trick is don't invite them into your business on a silver platter right? Like if you are not managing your stuff, you cannot tell your parents that they need to back off. It's a terrible sales pitch. It is really not convincing. It will not work. Make it boring for your parents to check your stuff. And the way to make it boring is, oh, he's got it all, or she's got this under control. I don't know why I'm wasting my time looking at this. That's how to get your parents to stop poking around in your business. Now, the other half of it is, let's be honest, Sometimes parents are just kind of like nervous Nellies and they're anxious and for their own reasons, and you're actually doing kind of okay. But it's a lot easier. You're in a much stronger position to say, like, mom and dad, like, I got it. Like, I understand you're worried, but like, seriously, I have this under control. It's going to be okay. And if it doesn't, like, I'll figure it out. Like, I'm not going to die from it. I will address it. I'll deal with it. You're in a much stronger position to say that and to hold that line with them if you've actually got it under control. If too much of your life is a forest fire, you cannot tell mom and dad, 
hey, everything's fine. Don't pay attention to all that smoke behind me. So you got to be credible. You got to be believable. You know, as much as your parents are raising you, to some extent, I think you're also kind of parenting back to them. You're, you're helping them become better parents also. So there's always a balance there. Sorry. It's a pleasure. As always, a pleasure for me as well. This podcast was sponsored by Takeda. Better health, brighter future. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chad's ADHD 365 podcast.